That was love playing that right there. <laughs> especially when we Monday, have guests, bro. dude. Not only is it a great way to kick off Monday, especially when we have a guest and we play that. Like we had Andy on the other day. Yep. Did the same thing. Awesome was doing. Was like kind of nice. I'm like, yeah, dude. Good song, right? It was good stuff. Um, we was like throwing some long cut out there. I spoke to JT. The other day, and he wants to come back on. I was like, hey, man, you're the homie. Let's you can come on whatever you want. He's like, yeah, bro, I'm getting my barber license. I'm doing this. And it's like, <clears throat> it was so interesting to hear his hustle Yeah. when it's like, hey, man, COVID hit, and their concerts and all their tour, it got canceled. Gone. <clears throat> and and they're, gone. they're coming up, and they're, they're mm. kind of turning into a big deal, but they're not yeah. a big deal quite yet, which means like there's some of the guys that got hit. And he's like, yeah, man, our royalties are only so much that come mm-hmm. in. and But, hey, I got this idea. I want to meet people. I want to serve people right mm-hmm. he's like i'm getting mm-hmm. my barber license bro yeah, you think dude. i was like so he's doing this stuff and i'm just man i love just having friends man or just having guys around that like just don't fail yeah. they just they just adjust and this guy's been touring and on stage mm-hmm. and rapping and all that stuff and then COVID happens and it's it's not quite going to plan mm-hmm. and like hey man i got kids and i gotta feed my family and so he goes and gets barber's license right and like he's gonna be grinding that now obviously Side note, because that's not what the title says today, right? This, we're not, we don't have JT on today, but we do have a guy on who was just as knit, grit, yeah. tough as nails, starting from nothing kind of guy. And I've known him since the first day he started his first entrepreneurial endeavor um, with the fitness company that I was around that I was d- the director of operations for. And he's very similar in that sense of just not, man, he's just always been super savvy. He's always been real creative. This fucking guy is on his Instagram stories and his Snapchat and his TikTok, <laughs> walk the walk, shut the fuck up, just does everything. And I I wish I could say it's not true because he's also good looking. So I wish <laughs> I could be like, hey, nah, he's just a good looking dude. That's why he crushes entrepreneurship. Chicks just want to be around him. No, I've been following this clown since day one, right? If you think you put content out, <clears throat> you're wrong. I know Gary Vee does a saying, props. I don't know that guy. I can't, so I, I can't, it's intangible for me, right? But this guy... This knucklehead, I do know this guy, and he's creative, and his content, dude, it's so consistent, and it's so crisp, and what's super cool is one of the conversations him and I had early on, and we still talk about it to this day, and we'll kind of get into it after this super long intro, he's always cared about his town and his people, and doing the right thing is always the right thing, mm-hmm. and just taking care of people is always at the at the forefront, so very similar to my Marine buddy, who's now a musician and a rapper, and how to just adjust, right? And now he's, he's a barber, but he's doing whatever he has to do right now to get by. Mm-hmm. He's still making music on social media. Mm-hmm. He's still doing some things to keep that alive, but then he's doing some other stuff to just grind and keep his family going. And it's, man, I love it because I've got some great friends from the military community, but then I've got civilian friends that are just as tough and grind this entrepreneur world just as hard as I would consider one of my Marine brothers. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the huge benefits of, once I got out of that world, yeah. it was hard to find friends. It was yeah. hard to feel like you belong. And then you figure out, oh, this is not a Marine thing. This is a people thing. Mm-hmm. And there are still that type of person that's out there. They just chose not to do the military more than okay. But there's still some tough-ass dudes out there. JT's one of them. A good buddy of mine. He's he's a big deal now. He doesn't talk to me much, so I'm surprised on the podcast today. But my, my good friend, man. Watching this too forever. Austin Evans, owner of Lean Kitchen, owns some franchises with Fit Republic still and blows that. He's been blowing that out of the water and beating corporate since day one anyway. And uh, owns a an ice cream shop. Super bummed about that because I'm on 75 hard right now. So I don't, I don't, I think he's a little selfish on his timing of when he chose to broadcast it. <laughs> Either way, 
literally man serial entrepreneur takes care of his town phenomenal human being dad husband family man soon to be husband we'll talk about that too because of covid but we want to hear all about it but without further ado austin evans what's up my man thank you man thank you i'm good i appreciate you guys having me on um yeah, I mean, obviously, Will, we've known each other forever. So since since day one, dollar yeah, zero, we've known each other. So yeah. cool, cool to be on here. Thank you, guys. Super cool. Austin just kind of came out of the gate, and um, he's just going to do it better than everybody. But uh, any ideas I ever had, you know, he took them. I think it was fun, too, because he had a lot of good ideas through social media that even I wasn't doing yet. And I was on the corporate side. I was on the franchisor side. Uh, but he had a lot of cool ideas on really how he was um, – just taking care of his town and what he wanted to do with it and how he was going to promote it and super cool. And, um, but kind of diving into that, Austin, um, just start on the beginning, man, just some context on, you know, who you are, what you're all about. What did, you know, where did your entrepreneur start? Was it in college? Was it prior to college? How was college? Um, and like, what was that literal day $1 for you in those moments leading up to actually diving into the entrepreneur world versus yep. something else? Yeah, man. So I, uh, I, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. You know, I think that it is truly something you're born with. Uh, and I don't, I don't know how much I believe something can be learned like this. It's just something you, you have or you don't, you know. And I grew up with parents, um, mom and dad, who were both in business for themselves. And really interesting, I mean, probably not going to have a lot of family watch this, so I, I'll veer into saying this. I, had a, uh, I, I watched people go into business and be conservative and be smart and reinvest and do the right thing. And I watched people go into business and not handle things financially so right. And um, by allowing me to see both of those things, it really was eye-opening. You know, I, I've learned a lot of, a lot of the things I've learned in life for business are what not to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think you can learn a whole hell of a lot from what not to do from people um, versus watching, you know, Right now, we could look at Amazon stock and say it's up 5%, so that's great. If you sat down and talked to Jeff Bezos about that, you you might learn something. You're going to learn a whole lot more listening to what his failures were, his struggles. Yep. So um, really, really seeing that helped me. But, man, I, I was born with it. I, I wanted to be in business all my life. I actually, the other day, found a business card from when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and I was, see if I show this to you. I was doing magic as nerdy as you might think that sounds. I, I, I don't know if you could see this, but I was doing magic. Dude, that's and, awesome. But anyways, it was Magic Man Austin Evans. It magic says Man Austin Evans. <laughs> yeah, functions, all this. So, so I was doing that. I, yeah. I, um, I mean, I painted numbers on curves, address numbers on curves. Yep. Uh, I, I, I always had that little grind in me that, that you hear so much of people having. Now, real quick, you mentioned family. Was that something that's hereditary? Was Are there entrepreneurs in your family that you, that you got to witness, or what did that look like for you? Yeah, so mom and dad both owned businesses. Um, so they, they, my, they both grew businesses, you know, to, to a decent size and just different, different exits though, you know, a proper exit and not so proper exit. Maybe right. and, and I had aunts, uncles, and I, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of shit, man. I've seen people get in the tax trouble, people get behind. Yep. Um, so learned a lot about what not to do. So anyways, fast forward, uh, mentioned college will. So I, yep. I was not a school person. I, I hated high school. Um, I hated school in general. And I remember sitting in high school and you, your teacher said, well, what are you going to do if you don't go to college? He said, I'm going to own a business. What are you going to own? I don't know yet. Well, <laughs> you better go to college. was the answer I always got. <laughs> I kind of did that forced to college thing, you know. I went to Mizzou and I went to Mizzou. I was there for one week. 
And I, I made the mistake of joining a fraternity, which is totally not my style. And fraternities, either you in a fraternity ever? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> oh, was I in one? I was in the biggest gun club on the yeah, planet, really. Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you <laughs> yeah, they duct tape you in between two mattresses and throw you off the balcony and shit. Yeah, yeah. Very familiar. So, so I, I went in this fraternity, and, and first of all, like just to dive into that, just because it's a funny story. I'm not gonna do all. Like, here's the deal: I'll, I'll take the hazing and the bullshit if I was doing something badass, like being a marine, yeah. something respectful, right? Something that people can look at and say, "Wow, look what you've accomplished." Yeah. I'm not going to take people's shit to be a little Greek boy at the zoo. <laughs> so, I remember one day I walked downstairs, or I was downstairs eating breakfast, and this guy walked downstairs and flipped my bowl of cereal and said, "Clean it up, pledge." Oh, and I was like, "Man, fuck this, I'm out." Yeah. So, I drove home, went to school here locally in St. Joe, Missouri, um, flunked out, got a deal that said I got a 1.7 GPA, you're on academic suspension. Um, <laughs> went into business for myself. And then fast forward to a couple of months ago, I won the emerging entrepreneur of the year award from the same college that kicked me out. <laughs> That's great. Full circle. So wall, I got, I got both the, see right there over there is my entrepreneur, my, my kicking me out letter. 1.7 GPA, and that's my Entrepreneur of the Year award. So that's funny. awesome, dude. It's super funny, and it's funny you bring up hazing, right? Because I was never a hazer. I had, um, I remember, uh, like back in high school, I, I started varsity four years, you know, uh, for baseball, um, and led it all four years, and was a backup running back. Um, we had a phenomenal running back my my freshman year. And I was playing junior varsity football as a freshman, but. They let us. They let some a couple guys suit up for varsity. Obviously, if like just things tank, you'll go in the game. That's when everyone's already dead, right? Football is mm-hmm. different than baseball. And but I remember the senior quarterback man, uh, running back Aaron Rodgers, not the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers, but a, a different guy running back. He ended up going to uh, I think Minnesota. Anyway, he kind of took me under his wing, man. He's like, "Hey, those shoulder pads are too big." I'm just like, what? Like, and he's like, hey, we got to get your smaller pads. You got to be able to move. You got to you know, be able to put your hands above your head, catch the football, and here's how you spade your cleats. And really just did a good job with me and had every right to haze. Well, I guess I'm not right, but he just never chose to be that guy, man. And I remember like going into the locker room and doing how to do like seniors and juniors. Weren't, they weren't my best friend, but they wouldn't mess with me. You know, and it was just like interesting. But when I was on the field, dude, he worked us out. Like he was a great leader on the field. And if you weren't putting it out – like that same guy was going to bitch you out and he held you accountable in the field. So it was like hazing through practicing and training hard and hitting the gym. And it would invite you, right. He invited us to the gym. Like, Hey, I'm in the gym at five 30 in the morning. Hey Grimes, I'll see you there. Right. You're not going to say no senior stud running back. You're not, you're happy to be invited, but then you realize, Oh, I'm invited. Now I got to put work in. Now they're going to find out what I'm made of. It's actually worse. Sometimes you'd rather just get thrown in a trash can then do some of those workouts. But I learned that early on, man. And then, you know, didn't really get hazed with too bad or anything in the Marine Corps, man. Like when I was going in, we were in the middle of the war, right? So guys were just wanting to get you spun up and trained before deployments. And I never adopted that. And it's funny that you say it, man, because out of like, every phenomenal leader I've seen around, you know, the, the Tosh or any other great leader, they've hazed the shit out of us with training and they were also doing the training. They were leading from the front and they were crushing it, right? They were a practitioner. And if we were going to, you know, we were going to get stronger and smarter, but they were always there for it. And they were always beating the shit out of you at any task that they had. But that's how we kind of got hazed was 
just putting in work, you know? And, like, it's funny that you just walked away from Mizzou and, like, man, I'm not putting up with that shit. Like, I don't think anyone should There's a whole different ballgame, though, than what you're talking about. It wasn't yeah. accountability. It wasn't It wasn't training, leadership, being None. better. It was, it was just be a dick because you're a pledge. Yeah, which is which is retarded, right? And yeah. it's just super cool, man, that you had at least some some independence or some individuality where you had enough backbone to just go, hey, man, I'm not sure what this is, but it ain't me. And yeah. I don't need to sit here and, and do this to find out who I am. Like, you know, talk about like your upbringing a little bit or like what do you think was the biggest factor in you having that individuality and that ability? Because a lot of people just, man, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to fit in or they put a lot of pressure on them to follow certain things and – I feel like a lot of intuition you had. You weren't really too crazy about college in the first place, but then you go, you're going to feel for it. People are treating you a certain way, and it's it's not like a, I'm too good for this. I'm not going to take this shit. It was just really like, hey, this isn't healthy. This isn't productive. I'm not doing this for that. Like, And just having enough intuition, but then just enough self-love to just like, hey, man, I don't. this doesn't identify who I am. I'm, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Like, What do you think it is for you as far as just having that at that young age to be able to do so? Man, it's a great question. So I think that I, I you know, I, I've, I've always seeked self, sought, seek, whatever the hell you want to say. I've always been one to seek self-development. Mm-hmm. I've always listened to podcasts. I've always, before podcasting was around, I listened to YouTube videos, listened to people talking, anything from Robert Kiyosaki, Andy Frisella, Gary V, um, Simon Sinek, these, these ultra leaders, Seth Godin, the guys who thought provokers, like, I've always been one to seek people to listen to, to see things from a different angle, to, um, you know, just not to stand out really to not, not, I, I never wanted to just be like everybody else. And I feel like those things I was constantly feeling in my brain. I still do this day and every single night I go for a walk and I listen to a podcast. I listen to YouTube videos. I'm constantly seeking information. Um, and I, I think that was sort of part of it was I just, I didn't need to fit in. I, you, when you really realize there's nothing cool about fitting in, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're not built to fit in. There's nothing cool about fitting in. There's nothing really cool about being average. Av- who wants to be average? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who wants to, and, and people might listen to that and think I sound like a dick and it is what it is, but who, who wants to be average, man? Who wants to sit there and be like, I, I fit in. I, 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 I look what average is in America. Yeah. Paycheck to paycheck. It's obesity. It's, it's, pretty miserable it's not good well and it's for me it's that's and that's like the blanket statement right like that's the bigger picture like austin's talking about is like obesity paycheck to paycheck living just a life of quiet despair and by the time you wake up and figure out you could have should have would have you got three kids and you're overweight and whatever whatever that is and then like you've got this quiet despair like this fire in your stomach that you just want to go do more but now you can't mm-hmm. now right. you're 57 yeah exactly it's but golden handcuffs. you know how many friends i have the golden handcuffs yeah, yeah. you make 100 grand a year you make 150 200 grand a year you're fucking miserable yep. yeah like will i remember having conversations with you five years ago oh man oh I yeah tell you, i don't care if i'm at, I and, and people think i'm i'm not bullshit when i say this i would rather make 40 grand a year and do whatever I want with my time and not answer to anybody and be happy, then make 400 grand a year and be under somebody's thumb yeah. at 99% of what jobs are in America. Which and it's a grind. Insane. And this is man. And, and you and I've been talking about this, you know, for a long time. And I think what's super important for people to understand, like, even if they agree, you know, and I'm sure they do, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to Austin, I'm sure you agree with that. Like, yeah, I don't want to be obese. I want to take care of myself. I want to, I don't want to just live paycheck to paycheck. I want to do Yep. 
but understand like it's erosion. There's not one moment that hits you right in the face and then you're ready for it and you adjust. No, no. It's every little incremental decision every single day. Everything matters all the time. You choosing not to leave college and taking someone treating you like that. If you're a woman out there and you'd get treated a certain way by a spouse or by a coworker, you're constantly training yourself on behaviors and what's mm -hmm. acceptable. And before you know it, you're going to wake up 10 years later and you're in that situation. It's yeah. not going to walk up with a sign on its face and like, okay, yeah. cool. That's the situation to avoid. No, it's, it's just constant data and it's after action reports on a daily of what am I allowing? What am I not allowing? How do I respect myself? What am I doing to take care of myself? All of those things matter. And this is why, you know, in Austin, I'm sure you can speak to this as well. You're an owner of a fitness company and you do Lean Kitchen. Eli and I, some of our biggest podcasts, some of our biggest Facebook lives ever when we were growing our business, when we were first starting was taking care of our mind and body, right? Like, and if anything was ever wrong, like if I was stressed out or something wasn't quite right, man, I would go back to how's my water, how's my sleep, how's my diet, how's my exercise, those things. And a lot of times, like if I wasn't taking care of myself there, if I wasn't holding myself to a standard there, how the hell could I expect myself to, to have other people adhere mm -hmm. to standards for me and not get treated a certain way? And what I want people to understand when we get into Austin's story as we, as we progress, cool, you leave college and it's, hey, I just got this award from the same college that kicked me out. Phenomenal. That's the tip outside the water, right? That's the tip of the iceberg that we can see. But there's other conversations like when I was sleeping in my buddy's mom's pantry with no money, talking to Austin about how excited I was to start my own endeavor, but I was scared as fuck. And hey, you don't got any gas money, do you? He's like, nah, bro, I'm bleeding out. It looks like I'm doing good. I'm not doing good. This shit's expensive. It's hard. Hey, dude, I'm bleeding out and I, and I got to do this. This is right. I'm like, cool. I'm going to sell my M3. Then yeah. I won't need gas for that bitch, and I'll have a little bit of cash. Like, and I literally sold everything off. I didn't make a fucking dime on my M3, by the way. Like, you never get your return out of it. But I sold everything. I'm sleeping in my buddy's mom's pantry for a couple months and just eliminated every single bill I had minus my cell phone bill. And I just doing Uber and Lyft at night to get by and chatting about that stuff, man, and then incrementally growing. But that's where I think people need more honest conversations is, Austin, you start on your first entrepreneur endeavor, what did that look like? How hard it was? What was the day in day out grind for how long before there was some return before you felt good about the direction you were going before you, you felt like, yep, I'm making good decisions. Yeah. So I opened my first store in end of 2015 and from 2015 to mid 2016, I had one guy that I would, I would work the store nonstop and he would help me. Right two hours at the end of shifts throughout the week, you know, then probably a year in, he starts taking on some afternoons. And then I was really focused on reinvesting every dollar. So I remember like the first, when we first got to where we had any um, extra income at the end of the month, I put that into marketing and, and, and reinvest into the business so I could grow and reach more people. And then once I got a second location open, then I, you know, started feeling a little more comfortable, but I never felt like I was really, I don't know, man, even when you're, you're going, it's going well and you're making money by, you still have the fear. Like when you have debt, you still have the fear of like, shit, all this can turn tomorrow. Yep. So yeah. And then COVID, so then, COVID. Think about that. I mean, COVID, holy shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it can. It, and so like going into COVID, not, not to fast forward, but great example, going into COVID, all my company accounts, I had like six months of expenses going into COVID. Perfect. Which was a decision I'd made day after day, after week, after week, after week for the last several years. We go into COVID, it's like, okay, I can breathe a little bit. I'm good for a minute. You know, no, you can at least pause and say, I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whereas if I would have been draining the account and buying me the vehicles and everything, I would have been sitting there going, Oh shit. Shit. Yeah. Done. You know, I sell, sell everything. So, you know, it took, it took a few stores and uh, I don't know, paying down some debt to really feel and, and keeping my living, my, my personal living expenses very low to really feel any sort of stability and comfort. Mm-hmm. Now I have a franchisee now he's kicking ass and he's got one store. He's working on a second and he is doing well. And he's, he's he still has this fear to him. And I'm like, dude, I can understand it. Like, cause things are going well, but it could all turn, you know, and something could bring, if store two doesn't go to go well and things kind of turn, the whole ship can fold. So it's, it's, you have, you're full of fear for a while in that game. Yeah. I love that. Shit. I love that. And, and then whenever, so, so to touch on something, so then, and then me and my business partner, JR, we started lean kitchen. And when we started Lean Kitchen, we didn't know a damn thing about the food business. Mm-hmm. We dive in head first. We build out a kitchen in the back of the store. And the reason we did it was because we had people getting great results with supplements. But what were people missing the most? Their diet, right? And rewind a little bit because everyone was telling you not to do that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I called multiple people and they told me it's a waste of your time and energy. It's a waste of your time and energy. It's a waste of your time and energy. But you awesome. felt momentum. And like, and not to cut you off, man, but this is huge for, for people listening and just understanding like, so Austin had some successful stores doing supplements, saw a ton of clients coming in and coming out, had the intuition to, in saying like, Hey, we're crushing supplements. We're giving everybody their diet pills and their proteins and cool. We're helping them with workouts, but like, I'm not in their house. They're still eating shit, but they keep mm-hmm. coming and buying this diet pill and it's not going to work. If you don't do this, and instead of a lot of other, not every one of them, but instead of a lot of other companies out there that will just keep letting you come buy supplement candy, even though it's not fixing, like you're on the drip, you got to supplement, you got to supplement cold, you got to supplement fever, you're going to keep coming in every single month and buying our shit because you're addicted to the pump of pre-workouts and everything else, and you're not actually getting better, but who gives a shit because you're, you're coming in and you're buying, we're crushing sales versus, again, getting back to what I said in the very beginning taking care of people first, right? Doing the right thing is always the right thing. So then people are saying, Hey, it's not worth it. Don't do it. But you had an educated idea on, Hey man, I'm not sure how to wrap my head around the logistics business wise, because bottom line businesses have to make money or it's not going to go anywhere. But I know people need help with food. Mm -hmm. This is the main thing they don't have. I'm going to figure it out and do it. And really what those other guys were saying is, especially guys in the supplement world, they knew, they knew people needed food. We had all people have been talking about that for a while. So when they're telling you not to do it, it's either what they really want to say is I don't have the energy to do it. I couldn't figure out a way logistically to do it because I'm not smart enough business wise to do it. I'm going to stick in my comfort zone of just selling supplements. You should do the same. That's what they're really telling you. Right. Yep. But just to back you up a little bit, man, like it came from, well, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out because people need it. Not, mm-hmm. ah, it doesn't make money. Ah, it's a, it's a, no, no. My customers who shop with me need every bit of support, especially in food. That's what matters. Taking care of people matters. Good. I'm going to figure it the fuck out. And that's such a huge piece for people listening is don't just who's telling you what to do is almost more important, if not more important than what they're saying, but who's saying it. 
I swear when I first started, I, I swear to you when I first started it, I remember saying, hey, if this thing doesn't make any money, but we can give people what they need, we're going to see more customers through the door mm-hmm. and we're going to help change more lives. And so we're going to have, we're going to go from having 70 customers a day or 80 customers a day to having 200 customers a day. And it's going to go really well. So at the time, which is sort of a naive approach, to be honest, that was me being young in business and immature in business. And maybe I don't say I didn't realize we needed to make money, but it was, it was totally a back burner. Thought. Yeah. Like it was more of get people in the door and yeah, not, not needing the validation, not needing the cosign from uh, whoever saying, yeah, you should do it. It was just, no, I'm going to do it. So yeah, we, we jumped in, we built out a kitchen, didn't know a damn thing about the food business, built out a kitchen and the model changed like 10 times. We had, we had all these ideas of how, like, that's the thing too. The timing's never right. And you don't have to, like, we don't, we didn't have the plan mapped out. Our plan was we were going to set up a website. We were going to get orders by Friday and we were going to have everybody pick up their orders on Sunday. Guys, now there is so much wrong with that in my head. That I know, <laughs> how the hell are you going to make how many of thousands of meals between Friday and yeah. Sunday, right? Yeah. How was you, how are you going to scale it? My idea of how I was going to scale it, I would have told you, well, we're going to have different pickup locations. So when you get to it, you're going to fill out your pickup location and we're going to start branching out and driving them to Iowa and driving them to Brad. I didn't even, you don't even think about like, man, this doesn't make any sense, but we just did it. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't go well. It was like, well, th- we're going to outgrow this really quick. So I had a one door cooler that we had in the store and it, um, we put like 10 meals in there. Well, they'd sell in like 15 minutes. Mm. So then we put 40 meals in there and they sold in like the first hour of the day. So then I was like, well, let's get a two door cooler. Let's go buy a $3,500 cooler. Even though we're a hundred grand in this piece of shit kitchen that I could have built for 40 now. (laughs) We put a two door cooler and we fill it with like 200 meals sold out on Monday afternoon. Wow. So I was like, well, man, we're onto something. This is more of a retail thing. People walk in and get it. It just kept evolving and changing and And that's so important too. Cause like Elon, I, we, we, you know, if you can't tell, we don't exactly look like realtors. Right. And there's been some things we've done against the grain, but first and foremost was every time we had an opinion of something, we had some experience as far as like it either worked in something we had done prior to real estate and it was about people and relationships or it had worked before. But the bottom line is we dove into it and having a level of work ethic to put towards something before you make a decision of whether it's working or not. Like you can't be lazy. You can't half ass ideas. And then, oh yeah, that didn't work. No. It's not true. Like you have to make sure that, Hey, if this doesn't work, it's because it just, it's not a good idea. And we have to adjust versus not knowing because you just didn't put the work in. You half asked a good idea. But the bottom line was like what you're talking about right now is like you guys dove in and you start knocking it out and you had to kind of switch up your business model here and there as you started getting experience. But then you had real data, your own Mm -hmm. data, not supplement Joe from down the street, not fucking whoever, right? Like, Nope. Like, Hey, That's, you know, and that's why it's so important is your data from your work, from what you've done, what's working, what's not working for you. And you guys started having some, some success there. So you're selling out in your fridge, right? You're putting 40, 50, 60 meals in there. You're selling out. What was that next incremental step? Like you figured out like, Hey, we're on to something cool. Right. So like now what, what's the next step? So man, every bit of this is like totally a, going into an area I knew nothing about. And like hindsight, it was crazy to be doing the stuff I was doing because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, so it's funny. You guys had Andy on last week. Andy owns first form. They have an event called first form summer smash every summer. Okay. I go every year. And I went down to this event 
And I started talking to these other supplement store owners, these other retailers. And I met these guys who had a retail store that was failing. And I said, Hey, what if you had meals in there and you put the meals in there to bring in new customers and it saves your store? Well, these guys liked it. So I literally came back and looked into franchising. Uh, franchising Lean Kitchen. Franchising yeah. Lean Kitchen. I go through the process of franchising, of, of becoming a franchisor and like having the FDD and the documents and stuff. And we sign a franchise agreement with these guys and they franchise a location in Alabama. I remember when we put that out, everybody was like, how in the hell did you get these people in Alabama? Well, that's the story. So these guys start in Alabama and then we start trying to sell franchises. Mm -hmm. And so I'll take you through the first year of this, 2018. This is pretty entertaining. In my opinion. So sell. before you say that, I'm going to cut you off again. Before you say that, here's like a key indicator everyone needs to understand. You're at a you're at a networking event, SummerSlam with First Form. Everyone's having fun, having a good time. But you're having deliberate conversations, and you're not mm -hmm. afraid to say something that could help something bring, bring value. I spoke about this my first year of real estate. Out of the 34 deals I did that first year, seven of them came from the gym. Mm -hmm. And it came from having deliberate conversations of instead of me seeing Austin in the gym and like, hey, bro, what's up? What's up, bro? Nothing, man. Trying to get big like you. No, nah, bro, I'm trying to get big. Like Shut the fuck up. Like, that's the gym talk versus, hey, man, how's your day going? How was your weekend? How was your Monday? Oh, it was great. I did this. Hey, man, what do you? Hey, you're in here at 9 a.m. What kind of job do you have that lets you, you go to the gym yeah. at 9 a.m.? Oh, hey, I'm a contractor. I do this. I do that. Really? Hey, man, I'm in real estate. I don't have a, a good roof guy. Man, I'd love to pick your brain and just learn more. And before you know it, man, be like, oh, hey, I got a question. Like, oh, hey, we're looking to we're looking to sell maybe in a couple months, but we're feeling out. And then you just and because I see you all the time, I don't necessarily have to bombard you, but it's just having deliberate, engaging conversations. So the way this whole thing started for you is again is, hey, man, you're you you're at a, an event, but instead mm -hmm. of drinking and getting smashed and showing your ass. Right. Like mm -hmm. you're having a conversation with someone listening to what they're kind of going through. And then you just had a question like, Hey man, here's, Hey, we're doing this. Would that help you? Like that's not to cut you off for the second time now, but oh. that's, that's so important for people to understand when you're building relationships and your personal brand is the product. Like, how do you think it's going to grow? You think, Oh, I don't have a million dollars to market my shit online. Even if you did, if no one knows anything about you and you've never put your product to the test anywhere, people wouldn't buy your shit anyway. Even if you had a million dollars to market on, on Facebook, it's not going to get you anywhere. That deliberate conversation you had with someone that sparked it, and you're like, man, if I can help this guy, what if I just franchised that? Like, it's by being in it and being a practitioner in your craft, working every single day, and then having engaging conversations with humans, right? So you, that happens, it sparks, and then you start thinking of the franchising. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and to... On, on that point, it was funny because a lot of people, when they have an idea, when they have something they think they can bring value, they want an NDA signed. Mm. Sign an NDA, I'll tell you about this. Or, or they don't want to talk about it because they don't want you to steal their idea. Just I'll mention <laughs> this. I had multiple people steal the idea. Yeah. Okay. I, I had multiple stores uh, literally take the idea. I had people who I talked to at that event and they left. And they launched meals of some sort in their own stores mm -hmm. and it wasn't mine because they thought that's a great idea, but I'm not going to call Austin. Mm -hmm. So the conversations, but also not being scared of like, like, you know, people I've sat down with and they go, man, I got this business idea I want to talk to you about. And I go sit down with them at Starbucks and we're sitting there and I say, so what's the business idea? And, and for like 10 minutes, they're hesitant to tell me because they don't want me to steal the idea. Yep. It's like the silliest when you're guys like you, me, mm -hmm. like when we're in it, you understand how ridiculous that is, but like for the people listening who aren't in it yet, 
you sound ridiculous. Yeah. So just, just another piece of advice, not being scared to have the conversations, but also not thinking, worried about someone and stealing stop, your And idea. stop having an idea. Stop talking to everybody about your yeah, idea. Go fucking it. do your Great idea. Point. Great point. Right? right? Like, go do right. the, like, there's a huge difference in, hey, man, here's what I'm doing in my store. Would that help you? Like, you're talking to this guy about an idea, but you've already put it in the play. You already know it works versus everyone else that's just trying to steal it and trying to right. duplicate something. It's going to be like duplicating a, a, I don't know if you're old enough for this, awesome, but we used to have cassette tapes <laughs> or we used to have to like record music yeah, off man. the radio onto yeah. a CD. It's a yep. duplicate. It's never, it's never the original, right? And if you're not in this thing, if you're not a practitioner, all of the incremental adjustments you're going to have to make in real time to mold that product to make sure it's actually working, the original idea never gets you by. Right. It's everything you do after you launch that in real time. It's the same thing like when you're training for battle. You don't know everything and all the ins and outs, and you can't predict everything that's going to happen or where gunfire is going to come from. But if you're in it and you're trained up and you've got fundamentals and you've got the balls to attack, like you're gonna you're gonna have the intuition and creativity to to improvise, adapt, and overcome on the fly, and it's going to work. Period. Right. But you can't you can't not be in it and think that you're going to take somebody's like movement to contact idea, take it yourself in Iraq, and think that you're going to be successful. You're going to die. Right. Same thing in entrepreneurial world. So that's a great point that you have, man. And stop talking to people about your ideas. Yeah. Just go implement it for yourself and then start figuring out like, is it working? Is it not working? And then if it is, maybe you can find a way to scale. It. And that's what we're talking about right now. So you, you're down in Alabama, right? And then this is your first opportunity to scale that model that you've built for yourself. Yeah. So, so then, I mean, we put some ads out on biz by sell. We start taking calls, we start getting leads. And, um, before you know it, 2018 passes and we've sold like 35 franchises. Right. Oh, shit. And, and got to a point where we have these stores opening all over and still had no idea what the hell we were doing. Mm-hmm. Like no clue. Like what franchising, like <laughs> guys, I, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like literally, I want listeners to understand if you were to be tossed into franchising a business right now and 30 locations were sold, that's exactly the position I was in. I didn't know anything about franchising. I didn't have any expertise. I just started doing it. And so, um, as of since, since last December through, through connections that were made and, and keeping, keeping bridges unburned with people and keeping relationships good, I ended up, get coming in contact with a CEO of a large, large franchise company who has over 30 years of franchise experience. And he started consulting with us. And so monthly, uh, we paid him monthly and he got on weekly calls with me, Doug, our director of operations and JR, my business partner, and starts leading us the right way, teaching us how to get our thumb on the pulse of the company, making us understand franchising. Um, so completely like we had to seek that knowledge and over that whole course of 2018 into 2019, it's constant networking, talking to people. And that's how we eventually got that. So I went to this event and listened to Jesse Itzler speak. Are you guys familiar with Jesse Itzler? Yeah. 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 You guys can get somebody on a show, get him Jesse Itzler. Working with the CEO. Well, apparently you know him, so make a phone call. (laughs) I I don't know him, but I got to Help your little friends out down here, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So, So Jesse Itzler, guys, he said, um, he said a quote, I, I really, really like his message. He talked about how like he didn't have time to get experience. Yeah. Like I don't, and, and I love that. Okay. So like with lean kitchen, I had sold 30 franchises, me and JR don't know what the hell's going on. We don't have time for experience. 
we got to go, you know? So what did we do? We, we found a relationship and formed a relationship with a guy who has more experience than we've been alive in just franchising and brought him aboard. He coaches us. He, he teaches us the business and, and completely turns our company from having 30 franchises sold, really being at a point where we're questioning how much of a concept we have, how valid our concept is to now we've turned back on new franchise sales, know that we have a very valid concept and we're back to growing extremely fast again and selling more franchises. So kind of a fast forward condensed story, but seeking knowledge, like I said, man, since I was little, I've always been one to listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube videos, seek mentors advice. Well, and just knowing what you're good at, just having some self-awareness, right? Cause you could fuck those 30 people real quick. If you're like, <laughs> man, like, and, yeah. and here's the deal. You did, you do, you have some experience when it comes to your model. Like, Hey, I do supplements. I'm crushing that. I know people, I know people need food. Here's how the food is working in my store. But then it's like, Hey, but what about your licensing and your branding and how things should look? And Hey, how do I take all of my knowledge and then give that to a franchisee in a completely right. different state in a different market? How do I train them to be thinkers and follow guidelines within the franchise model to make them successful? Like it's a, it's a different, it's a different beast, but being willing to pay somebody money, right? That is good at it to make sure that again, Hey, we got to put these people first because now my customer isn't just John Smith coming in to buy protein. It's now other business people that are trying, that are trying to create this franchise under me. And they're, and they're trusting all their trust in you. Yeah. They're trusting you. Putting yeah. their 401k to do a retirement owned business startup on the line with you. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know, you have employees relying on you. That's one thing you have people who have put their life savings on the line on your concept. That's a whole nother weight on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so another thing I'll mention is like, Talk about earlier, I talked about learning what not to do. Yeah. I had franchised a concept, guys, that I had I had horrible guidance through me, if I'm being really honest. I had good upfront training. I had a good logo. Beyond that, it wasn't a franchise. It was more mm-hmm. of an intro to intro to how to run this business, and then you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so I learned Sounds so much very familiar. I could think of a brand that started yeah. like that. <laughs> but I'm not saying it's to knock anybody. I mean, you doing the best you can, you know, mm-hmm. these people were doing the best they could, but like I, I had, I learned a lot, you know, yeah. I, so now when I sell a franchise, when I'm working with our franchisees, I've been exactly in their shoes and I know what the expectation is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. And I want to deliver an ultimate, um, satisfying, you know, experience of being a franchisee. So through Jim, our, our CEO that we brought on and who's, um, we'll actually be a small equity partner in a company and helping guide us in the future. He is, man, he's, he's super knowledgeable. He's insanely humble. He's taught us so much and we're implementing stuff that honestly franchise companies that don't really do until they're huge. Like next year we're doing our 2021 marketing plan and, and we're rolling out. We're going to be every quarter mailing out marketing packages of all the events, all of the store posters, all, all of everything for that quarter that you should be doing. It's going to show up at your store. You just got to follow the rule, the playbook. And, yeah. And it's gonna- it reminds me of Foot Locker back in the day when you talk about that. Like I remember in high school, I worked there and, and um, I crushed sales I did a couple of different creative things to sell insoles and some different stuff. And um, the district manager, um, you know, was appreciative of me and, and kind of a cool cat, loved to talk, which was great. And would kind of run me down, like on the district level, like why they did what they did. But I remember 
we would just get boxes and boxes of signs and hangers and different stuff. And here's the shoes that are going to be exclusive. And not every, you know, and obviously depending on your demographic, shoes could be a little bit different, but you know, not everybody was making Michael Jordan's the exclusive. So depending on the demographic, it might be a different shoe, but they did a great job at the referee jerseys and the culture and the experience you'd get when you'd walk in and then all the marketing and branding was like done. There was no expectation. And, and obviously I don't think Foot Locker was a franchise. Maybe it was, I'm not sure, but they, that's how they treated their stores. And I think they were franchises, but that's how they treated their stores. It, but like you say, a lot of companies don't do that till they're really, really big. So when you get that knowledge early on to just come out and have the appearance of being extremely professional and doing it right, like what a, what a great head start. Yeah. And I think a big thing is being, being humble enough to know you don't know everything. So many people don't want to ask questions. So many people don't want to, you know how many franchise companies are out there that have a, maybe they have a valid concept or they have the bones and they need a little bit of work and they have a really good concept, but it's never going to be anything because the owner is not going to step aside Mm -hmm. and let somebody who knows more guide the company. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I know I can think of five concepts right off the top of my head that it's like, man, you guys have something, but it's never going to be anything because the, the, the owner has too big of an ego about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it's not just franchise companies, it's all kinds of companies, man. Like, when, when you guys started a podcast, you, you, you got two options. You can go and you can figure out how to do it yourself, all of the stuff, and you can make all the mistakes. You can do everything kind of like we did in the very beginning of Lean Kitchen, yep. and you're going to figure it out. Or you could hit up somebody who you know does a successful podcast. Like if I'm going to do a podcast, which I've thought about doing a lot of times, if I'm doing a podcast, my first call is to you guys. Mm-hmm. Just it is. I'm going to say, explain to me how you do all the cool shit. Explain to me how you do the one minute countdown. You put the music on. How do you set up the zoom meetings? How do you run the cameras the way you run them? Hey, I got my videographer here with me. Explain it to him so we can learn. And I'm going to be accelerated times 10 by asking you guys versus trying to just be ego. Cause I don't want to call Will and hear Will. Right. Will shit. And you give me a bunch you know, of shit. I don't you know, hear it. I only gave you shit because you finally you finally called me back after like nine months. Like I had a baby. I had a I, I got a life. I was out of the pantry. You didn't like me. Pantry. You didn't like me when I was all white trashy no, living in a pantry. Yeah. But you, know, you know what I mean? Hundred I mean, percent. So, yeah. And just so, being resourceful. Like so for us, and I'm sure it's some for you. I think it's usually a hybrid of figuring it the fuck out slash being as resourceful as possible. Like when we started this this podcasting we looked up like Joel Rogan. Joel Rogan has some YouTube videos and, and some different uh, things on like a, a blog or something that Eli dove into of what they use. And some of their shit's super expensive, but then we could, we found some things that were pretty much the same thing. Great quality, mm-hmm. maybe not quite what Joel Rogan has, but there were other options that were just, you know, that were still super good that were more affordable. We looked up Jocko's. We started trying to figure out like what style do we want? How mm-hmm. do we want to do it? The wall we built behind me. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting in the labor for that and getting creative and then, yep, okay, but then this is still your podcast. So how are you going to create it, you know? And mm-hmm. a lot of it came from, dude, this whole thing started from just doing Facebook Live videos once a week on Facebook, right? And talking about what was working and not working for us and being dads and being entrepreneurs and, and how my SOCOM background applied to business. And then that formulated so into- part of this sexy thing. No, it was Facebook <laughs> Live every Friday. But then, yeah. but what yeah. that helped us do was it helped us practice concept. It helped us understand how to create- long form content consistently and what that framework is going to need to look like. It helped us listen to our audience when they would, when they would reply and ask questions on our Facebook lives. It helped us listen to our audience on what they wanted to hear in the first place. And then we got invited to a podcast 
And then, and Eli had the idea way before, you know, way before I was even quite okay with it. I remember him talking about it. And I'm just like, man, it's, we're not a big deal. <clears throat> I don't know if we're there yet. And then we go on a podcast. We fly out to San Francisco. We're on one of the biggest podcasts in real estate, top 10 podcasts nationwide for real estate. And we're watching these guys do it and fumble through it, you know, behind the scenes before we go live. And that's when I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> you motherfuckers don't know shit. Like, yeah. we, oh, you just been at it a long time. Yeah. Ah, yeah. and then I was like, hey, you know what? I think our content could be better. Hey, I think my history and hey, not, and you know, now that we're and at that time we had just hit top one percent in the world for Berkshire. So at that point, I was like, okay, we got something to say. Yeah. Like my background definitely applies. We've built a team. Eli's great at what he does. I feel like I'm I'm doing well at what I do. Now I felt good about having something to say and saying, hey, if I'm going to be on something for an hour or invite a guest or create our own content. I, with integrity, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm okay taking people's time up if they choose to listen because I feel like it's valuable. But, man, it's, it all started out Facebook Live yeah. and just right. learning how to do that, right, like you say. So I think it's making the calls and being resourceful of the people that you do know. Or let's say you don't know anybody, okay, like – we didn't just message. We didn't. We, we didn't. We, we didn't figured it out online. Yeah. Eli is the biggest guy on like Google it, bitch. Eli <laughs> needs a shirt that says Google it, bitch. Because I swear oh, to God, awesome. I'm sure Austin's got if one you're of those. just if you're just resourceful and find a way to just have some tenacity toward, toward what you want to accomplish. There's a lot there. Yeah. But then secondly, believe it or not, like you don't have to reach out to the Annie Fursellas or the oh, well, Joe, I, I reached out to Joe Rogan. He won't answer my question on a podcast. Fine. <laughs> There are um, way more people in between you and Joe Rogan that are in the interim Yeah, that if you emailed them, if you wrote them, they would be happy to answer some of your questions. Like this entrepreneur world and the podcast world, people are way more open to helping you out than you realize. You just got to be uh -huh. humble and just ask those questions and be resourceful and and then get some things started, but then be consistent with it and respect people's time. Man, It's all concept, you know? We have realtors reach out to us, Ben. They're not on our team. Yeah. They're not in our downline. They have questions. They they love our YouTube channel. They have questions. Yeah, man. Hey, here's a here's a thirty minute Zoom call. I literally was on the phone when you first were talking to um to Eli, and I was on my phone. It was a guy reaching out, and he's like, "Hey, man, I, I love what you guys are doing, and this and that." And hey, here's my questions. I said, "Hey, man, we're actually ready to go to, to get getting ready to go live right now, but look, hey, send me a couple times of some times that work for you this mm -hmm. week or next week." And let me see if one works for me. And hey, dude, let's just sit down for 30 minutes on a Zoom call and we'll give you the rundown. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people are people are happy to help. Um, and if you're listening to this and you don't think that's true, write us an email. Well, there I'd be happy to help. Awesome. One of my I love how open you are about your struggles and, and just not knowing shit, but figuring it out, dude. Um, one of the things I want people to realize, you know, when you mentioned like getting that consultant, I don't have time for experience. That's an awesome quote. Um, so what does that mean? Hey, if, if you don't have the, the cost of time, right. Cause everything, everything costs something. That's what I want people to understand. Everything fucking costs something. So if you don't have the, the, the time, right, you're going to have to pay usually for some sort of consultant or, or a done for you service or something. And for the people that are complaining about, well, I just don't have the money, so I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Just there, there's a cost. So is it, is it going to be your time and experience or is it going to be a consultant? Um, Austin, like you, you mentioned dropping a hundred grand on a kitchen, bro. Like, damn dude. And then, and then ultimately <clears throat> yeah, you didn't vomited. need that. <laughs> ultimately you didn't need that. So, yeah. um, you're getting into the game fast enough with this like minimum viable product. Let's get something good enough. And then you, you put that on the retail store on the retail shelves and then Holy shit, we don't have to do all this delivery stuff, man. If you were trapped in that mindset of just analyzing and analyzing, getting anything perfect before you launched, imagine setting up multiple locations and delivery services and all that shit when you could have just 
pot of damn cool. But here's the deal. If you get stuck there, I, are you an entrepreneur? Right. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck there and they fail. And that's a huge yeah. failure. But again, yeah. that's okay. So, but here, and here's my thing and hear me out guys. I want to, I want to get yeah. your opinion on this. If you get cut from your high school baseball team, are you a baseball player? Yeah. If you, if you, if you have it in you, if you have it in you to keep going, you are. Okay. Yeah. True. But then, cut, all right. So then let's down. go, let's go one, let's go one step next. You don't get picked up to play college. Man, it all depends on how much you keep going. Okay. Yeah. So here's, so it's twofold. Yeah. Like entrepreneurs out there that, that are paralysis by analysis or. Perfection is the enemy, by the way. True. But yeah. here's the, but here's the deal though. Yeah. And this is what I want people to understand. Like when Austin, you know, was doing his entrepreneur thing and doing the fit republics and now he's opening up lean kitchen. Like he was a practitioner. He had a successful business. He had the, the ability to improvise, adapt, and overcome, and shift, move, and communicate. That is more important than people are giving credit nowadays. If you're getting stuck, paralysis by analysis, and oh, I'm just not quite sure where to go, mm -hmm. it's probably should just say with you at that point, whatever you're trying to build, like you've got to run the play, you got to be the quarterback of that, right? Like trying to sell some idea. Man, I, I question that. Yeah. And depending on how long you're not good at these fundamentals, and you can't shoot, move, and communicate well, and you can't do certain things well, and you're not putting the work in, or you think you are, but you just suck at it. At some point, man, like maybe you're not an entrepreneur. And anybody listening, not saying that's you, but I am saying like this entrepreneur world, it's like the wild, wild west. And because anybody can call themselves that, everyone's that. And like, fuck no, man. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay if you're not. And you definitely, like, you need to have some self-awareness to, okay, is it, I'm not just putting the work in when I go to practice. So that's why I got cut from my high school baseball team. And if I really put some work in, this summer and then this fall in the off season and winter and I come back and I come back at it and I've, and I've improved. Cool. But okay. But at some point, like, all right. And then maybe you were good at it. Are you a professional baseball player? How long are you going to keep working at it? But before, Hey, you're just not drafted. Like it, you're not, it, it just didn't happen for you. Mm -hmm. At some point, like with this entrepreneur world and being a professional person at business, you do have to have some of that, intuition and self-awareness of like maybe it's not for you like maybe as much as you want to be great at it you are not and you're also not resourceful enough to pull the right people around you and i just and i'm not trying to shit on people's dreams right now no but it's hard but it's it, there's no shame in it and it's hard as fuck and mm -hmm. it's it's man like i made this post the other day on instagram austin you're a big deal you probably didn't see it you know time for my stories but i said every, you know I, I said you know some of you got ceo and coo and and, and co-founder on your titles on Instagram, but you do zero work or zero transactions in the industry where you call yourself a CEO. Fucking clown. You're a clown. Yeah. You're not a CEO. And no disrespect. Maybe you're not a clown. Maybe you're insecure. Maybe you want to feel like you're that person. But the bottom line is have some self-awareness and just understand it. Like maybe mm -hmm. it's not for you. Right. And you have to be super aware. Like, Hey, like it, like for example, for baseball, when I was going through that and, and I got picked up for a bit in 04, I remember the formula they talked about. Like you start off playing rookie ball, right? And you're not in the bigs, right? Even if you get a signing bonus or you get drafted, you're signed, like you're not starting in the bigs. So like you've got a minor league system. They're going to put you through the business of baseball. If you're going from single A to double A to triple A or from rookie ball to single, however that works out for you, if you're making incremental progress where you go from single A to double A, double A to triple A every two years, you're moving up a league. 
that's a formula where they feel like they it's you're pretty confident where you might make it. Now, some people go even faster. I'm not talking about the anomalies. I'm not talking about the Ken Griffey Juniors. I'm not talking about the Barry Bonds. I'm talking about 85% of baseball that play super solid baseball, but they're not Hall of Famers, right? They're not even guys that are going to last 50, you know, 20 years in the league. Maybe they play five and they were solid and then that's it. That majority right there, they say if you're moving up from single A to double A, double A to triple A, if you're making a level improvement every two years, every two seasons, you're making enough progress where you're probably going to hit the bigs within a couple of years, right? Which is great. If you're in single A ball for four, like they're just, eventually they're going to let you go. In entrepreneur world, nobody's letting you go. You're you, you're putting your money and your time and your effort into things. At some point, like if you're not putting the work in, or if you are and you just suck at it and you're not resourceful enough to, to have people help you be better at it, no shame. But here's the hard part. You got to pull the plug on yourself. When you go to other industries, if you can't graduate the police academy because you suck at shooting, okay, keep trying and work as hard as you can. But if you work as hard as you can and you still suck at shooting, you're not going to be a cop. If you try as hard as you can at baseball and you love it and it's your passion, it's everything that you ever want to be, but your name's Rudy, okay, and you come from Notre Dame, you're not... This you're gonna have one game. They're gonna make a movie about you, and then that's fucking it, man. Like people pull the plug on it for you, and just cool. In this world, that's not the case. Like you have mm. to figure that out. For and this is why, like the integrity behind putting the work in, and the self awareness you need to figure out whether that's your thing or not is so important because it's up to you to decide whether it's it's going to be working out or it's not, and whether you're making incremental improvements and paying attention to how you're measuring that or not. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I like how it, it kind of it kind of weeds people out, man. Because you can only sustain so long before you got bills to pay. Well, you know, Austin, like that's- Austin, your first endeavor, man. Like it was, you had a grand opening, and you're and you're doing your thing, but you were incrementally getting better at yeah. sales. You were incrementally getting better at relationships. You were incrementally getting better at social media, and you were also understanding how everything coincided together that ultimately created a brand. Right. So then cool. I don't know what I'm doing with franchising. I don't even know what lean kitchen is. Well, true, but you understood social media. You understood the need people needed. You understood leadership and how to influence and teach people. You've taught people at your stores before on how they need to represent the store, how a sales process has to happen, how education behind product needs to happen. So you, you decide to go into lean kitchen and start doing food. A lot of the training, a lot of the relationships, a lot of the social media content, a lot of the product knowledge slash now food knowledge, mm-hmm. a lot of that is there's some carryover there, right? But you had some traction of you were incrementally getting better in business and with people prior to starting that secondary business. So there's a lot of just talent and ability and intuition behind the lean kitchen model, even though you didn't have any experience there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to, to piggyback off the conversation we were saying about incrementally getting better and everybody not being an entrepreneur, I think that well, – I got a couple things to say. Number one, it's Columbus Day. If you're mad because you you don't have Columbus Day off or if you're taking off today, you're not an entrepreneur. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Columbus Day, Labor Day, all that shit. So it's, it's, it's a day in, day out, every single day thing, not holidays off, especially bank holidays. Number two – Everybody thinks it's so cool to be an entrepreneur, have your titles, your CEO, your CFO. This is just funny. It's worth mentioning. Every time I go to spell entrepreneur, I forget the E after the end. Yeah. So I don't like fucking putting it on anything. <laughs> it's just, it, it doesn't mean anything, man. You call yeah. yourself whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but, but third, the, the bulk of what you're saying, I don't think most people are entrepreneurs. 
I think most people are better suited being an employee. And I do not like, I, I people hear me say that I've heard people, they think, they think pompous. Cause I'm saying that I'm not saying that I'm not, but everybody's built for something different. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if you, if you're in the majority of the world, that's not a business owner, not an entrepreneur, focus on finding something that makes you happy. Focus on finding a job you like, because to my point earlier, where I said $40,000 a year and, and I don't want to have to answer to anybody. If I'm not an entrepreneur, if I'm just going to get a, if I'm going to go get a job somewhere, I still would rather make 40,000 a job and be happy where I like the culture. I like where I'm at. I like my boss. I like the free thinking I have within the environment versus making 200 grand golden handcuffs and be miserable. hundred mm-hmm. so percent. In terms of being an entrepreneur or not, it's not even what it's about. It's about being happy. Like, man, I, in this last year, I've hardcore searched, done some like soul searching and some really kind of deep thinking on like, man, I want to be happy. Like I, I, I can't tell you how many people I sat down with. Like, all right, I'm going to throw you guys a dart on your own podcast. Okay. All right. Eli, you first and then will. Let's do it. What makes you happy? Man, for me, at least being in business, it's so super fucking cliche, dude, but it's the honest answer. I thought I was going to say doggy style. Yeah. No, that's actually my, oh, least, we're going that's actually my least favorite. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> least favorite? Yeah, different yeah. day. We're talking yeah, about that. That was last okay, night. Yeah. Good. Shout out to Megan. Um, <laughs> uh, man, it's freedom, dude. Like, it's it's like being able to do what I want when I want to do it. And the funny part about that is, is in entrepreneurship, you definitely don't get to do that, but I, but it's on your terms, but it's on my terms. You're choosing to work all day, every day at what you want to work at, why you want to work at it. It is your decision. I'm allergic to having a boss. I'm allergic to having to tell another grown man or ask permission from another grown man. If I can go do something with my day or go to the park with my kid before five o'clock, um, just the, the freedom to be able to make decisions on my own and put myself through my own suffering of my choice. Uh, yeah. that's, that's it right on there. On your man. terms. Yeah. Right. On my terms. Yeah. But what, else, what else makes you happy? Um, working out music, jujitsu. Yeah. yeah. Being physical, yeah, being creative. Most of the, yeah, most yeah, yeah. Of the people I ask, when I ask them what makes them happy, they're like, shit. Wow. I never thought about this. Yeah. 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 I, I got you. Like, I like food. I like getting the fulfillment of a workout and like the freedom, man. It's, it's the freedom has, there has to be money there for freedom. Right. Yep. So money makes you happy, Yep. but it's not the money. It's, it's the fulfillment of earning the money to have the freedom. I don't know. So yeah, it's just, it's just a thought provoking thing that I've been on like crazy lately is like Mm -hmm. what really makes you happy and like forming your life to be what you're actually to to do what actually makes you happy. Yeah. And the money thing real quick, man. Fuck, dude. Yes, like I'm extremely financially motivated, but if money is what made me happy, dude, I I wouldn't be happy. Well, and how you're making your <laughs> I money? I wouldn't be happy how at you're all. Making man. your money is important. Too. How you're making your money, but if you have that like attachment of love to money, dude, it's hard to drop a hundred grand on a kitchen to start a new business. It's hard to drop money on consulting. Uh, you know, if you, if you have this like emotional attachment to it, so something tells me Austin, that it's you, also hard to like eat fucking tuna at a gas station. Cause you're fucking scraping. It's yeah. twofold. One yeah. is hard to like save and not spend, or yep. maybe you don't even have it in the first place, but you respect the grind. And then when you do have it, not, not being afraid of like being able to throw it into something like it took Austin, like you and I had that conversation. I'm in a target, I'm in a target parking lot at night and I need gas money and you're fucking bleeding out. And like, we get a good laugh at it. And, but the bottom line is it's twofold, right? Like you're so broke when you first start 
that you're scraping, right? Like I remember that pantry and then even now like just eating tuna, right? Like we're on 75 hard. We're watching our diets anyway, but just eating like a fucking savage, right? To just earn every penny. But then once you earn a chunk, throwing it right back out into a kitchen, it's like, no. fuck man. Like it took me so long and so hard just to get it. And now I'm about to toss it into this, but the benefit to that type of skin in the game is I bet you're dotting your eyes and you're crossing the T's the best you can for what you're about to do because that's your money. You burn that shit. You're not going to go apologize to some millionaire and like, oh, hey, man, sorry it didn't work out, but appreciate you thinking of me. Like, no, dude, like, that's your that's your skin. And for me, I guess I'll give you mine since you didn't ask me. You just asked Eli. No, I, Eli <laughs> for me, man, I just want to be great. Yeah. You know, like I... I want to be respected in the entrepreneur world, in the leadership world. You know, I have I have a lot of friends that passed away that were dads, that were good dudes, that were probably better dudes than me. And, and every day I have an opportunity. And if I'm not taking what I've learned through my military career or government or police career, now real estate career, if I'm not taking those things and giving them back to people that can use it, that can also like learn to be happy and successful in business and in life, then I'm wasting that opportunity. But I want to be, I want to be great at that. I want to be respected and I want to have influence on as many people as possible that get better at their life and the how to and, and business as well, man. And I think through some of my trials and tribulations, I can speak to some of that. And if I'm not using that to help better somebody, then I'm wasting an opportunity. It shouldn't just be for me because I'm definitely not me. Everything I'm good at is a reflection from something, from someone, from somewhere, either the opportunity that I'm still breathing today or from leadership that I come after that have influenced me on, on how to be myself. Like it's, I didn't build me and I'm still in real time, not building me. I've got incredible people around me that have given me a gift. If I'm not, if I'm not doing the same thing, then I don't feel good about what I'm doing. I don't feel good about who I am. And the guys that are ahead of me or that I, at least I feel are ahead of me. I want them to feel like I'm great. I want them to feel like, man, I get, I gave a ton into that dude and look what the fuck he did with it. Look how much he gave with it and look how much he helped others. Cause I think that's what it's all about. And money's going to come with that. You got to have, you know, financial success. And now there's certain personal goals that I want for my family that I want for my kids and opportunities that I want, but it's how I'm getting it done and how I'm making it, how I'm creating that. That's important to me. It's mm -hmm. not just the dollar. It's how I'm making it, but that's mine. I just want to be on this platform and with other leaders like you, other entrepreneurs, you know, other leadership from my Marine Corps career that I guess I can consider my, my peers in business now. I, I just want to be respected there. I want them to be like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a great dude. You know, I want, I want to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, so I know, I know you'll be the same way as this will. I, I'm not afraid to say like, you want to be the man, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people, people that it's again, not, not and you know why, dude, you know why I want to be the man because I trust that my intentions are appropriate. Right. I don't want to be the man. So I can be like, yeah, look at me. And all jokes aside, everyone that knows me personally, they know I'm not like, I might joke or have a little chip on my shoulder and have some confidence. First and foremost, the careers I did, you know, in the military and through government work or, or, or being on the streets as a cop, if you don't have some confidence and a chip on your shoulder that you're the guy for the job, you die. So I do have a chip on my shoulder and there is some confidence there, you know, but I want to be the man for people too, because I feel like my, my intentions are pure and I actually do want to help people become successful. I don't just want them calling me the man, like, yeah, I'm the man. And Hey dude, I'll walk on people and stab them in the back to get there. I'll do whatever I have to do. Those aren't the conversations I have with myself. 
I actually want to do right by people, but you're right, dude. Like, I want to be the man. I want people to go, hey, you fucking really helped me. That, you know, yeah. Okay, cool, because I might be the man for you, but guess what? Someone else is the man for me. Mm-hmm. There's someone else in this world where I go, he's the fucking man. His name's Brian Shantosh. I go, he's the fucking, I don't call me that. I'm like, hey, he's the fucking man. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, but I do want to be that for someone one day. So then they could be that for someone one day, you know? Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's super I important. Well, that. I just, I just, yeah. Austin, just, Austin I got to hear about this ice cream shop, bro. Oh, fuck. Yeah. God damn it. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Let's hear. Oh, you know what? I got another comment. Let's hear about another successful company you have, Austin. <laughs> Here's my, and I'll, let me get your opinion on this because I know you feel like entrepreneurs are born. I'm not a born entrepreneur, but maybe I am. Like I did, I, I mowed lawns. I did all this stuff as a kid, but then I went into a very regimented life, right? But after baseball, I'm going to the Marine Corps. I do government work. I do police work. It's very regimented. And yes, you have to, you know, improvise, adapt, overcome, shoot, move, communicate. Like there's a lot of intuition in those careers, but you don't own it. But I felt like I had a lot of dev- skills there that I was developing that were actually entrepreneurial skills. Mm-hmm. So when Austin talks about being an entrepreneur, just because you don't start your first company when you're 18 or 19 years old, doesn't mean you're not a born entrepreneur. True. Just because you go into regimented careers and you go learn a ton and you start perfecting your tools also doesn't mean you're not an entrepreneur. You Mm -hmm. very well might be, but if you start that world at 30 or 31 or 32, 50, 50. whatever. Hey, just so understand context of when Austin says entrepreneurs and I think this world, like you just have it or you don't. Just because you haven't started a business yet doesn't mean you don't have those. I literally came from the percent. most regimented world possible. But every skill that made me successful in those in those platforms are exactly what makes me successful at entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I do agree when you say like, hey, either you got it or you don't. I, I want to get your opinion on this, Austin, because I correlate it to athletes. You put LeBron James on a football field, I bet he does well. right? Like, th- like there are just some natural born athletes and because of their ability they can improvise mm-hmm. and after and, and, and adapt and overcome on on any platform because mm-hmm. they have the ability they're just athletic their movement yeah. the way they generate power the way they use their momentum their ability to have that type of hand-eye coordination they're just great at it and then you also have people that just really want to be good mm-hmm. like eli catching a football listen it's not happening <laughs> even if he really wants to catch it it ain't fucking happening right but f- Fat ass me could throw a ball all day and I could catch like, there you go. But like, do you feel like it's somewhat the same in entrepreneurial world? Like you've got Fit Republics, you've got Lean Kitchen, and you've got this ice cream shop. Do you feel like you're one of those natural born athletes with a lot of skill sets that can correlate to different sports, i.e. different companies in the entrepreneur world? I, I, I do. I'm careful saying that because I don't want the universe to slap me in the face with adventure <laughs> next. Um, I, I do. I mean, I think I, I think. Well, do you think there's a lot of talent that carries over into regardless of what type of company you want to own? If you've got it, like in that entrepreneurial sense, a lot of it can carry over. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think a lot of things with companies are, are yeah, built knowing you can build a culture, so you need to build a culture over here. Knowing the marketing, so you're going to market over here. Right. So yes. Um, I, I, but constantly be learning still, you know Correct. what I mean? But yeah, I, I mean, and it's, it's practitioner. It's actually doing it. Once right. you do it, you're going to learn more as you go. So yeah, I think, I think there's carryover. I think it's cool too, man. Cause every, every business that you have right now, I've been watching you on social media, you know, like, and you and I keep in touch through here, you know, here and there, you got a family, I got a family, you, we got work to do, but everything that you've done that you've put your hands on, like, it was kind of like you diving in and doing it first. 
before it before yeah. it went out. You know, and I think it's especially when I've you're had failures. I've had failures. We're sitting here talking about Chris and Kate's. I mean, I invested money into a store. I invested and here at the beginning of this year. I put I, I lost fifty grand in a store. Uh oh, let's talk about that. What, what? So let's talk about that. Was this the? It was all. It was all the money I had saved, and I went and I did this uh, this different concept of a store, and uh, it, it was in a market I was foreign to. I didn't have the right guy in place, and I and then and then honestly, like I, I hate pointing to the condition because I'm not one to say that's why I feel. Mm-hmm. However, I was in a vulnerable spot already, and then COVID took out the whole entire community in the area we were in, and it and it took us down. So that that happened. I mean, but. Um, but not being afraid to let that happen, you know, no matter what business it is. So, so I think that you can definitely adapt and there's carryover to, from these things to the other concepts, but it, that doesn't mean you're going to succeed. That's not guaranteeing success. You right. know, LeBron James goes and gets on a football field. The dude's going to be really athletic, but he's got a he's long way to go. Jerry Rice. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know what it's going to happen is even if he could be Jerry Rice, he's got to get used to taking those hits. He's got to get, you know what I mean? Like he's going to have a lot of natural ability. Yeah, but he's got to get used to playing that game. He's going to get beat up along the way. He's going to get yeah. fucked up, and and some of the fouls I've seen him flop on the court about. Hey, bro, you're going to get fucking starched on this football field. It's going to hurt if that little if that little leg poke that threw you on the court it hurts you. You're really going to get hurt. Like this is a different game. But I bet the guy is super athletic and has a lot of ability. Where if he chose to do something. Maybe he goes decent. Put years into it, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly, years into it, but there's still some carryover. And um, what was that type of store that you were taught? Was it was it an ice cream shop? Was it or what were you? What would you lose it was money? Just a retail store. It was a retail store, and it just is just a big old flop. Selling like hip hop clothes or what? <laughs> I like it, dude. <laughs> Streetwear. I like yeah. it, man. Don't be a menace. Remember that movie? Oh shit! That white gangster cat. Oh but, yeah. Uh, the ice cream business. So I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you let's about talk about that. Business. Now it sounds, that one's fine. I think there's something to gather from that. So this ice cream store, it'd been 25 years plus in San Joe, mm-hmm. um, my hometown. It's a big pink ice cream cone building. So it turns heads. It's like in my nice. opinion, one of the most iconic businesses in San Joe. Yeah. It's a big pink ice cream cone. It's been on history channel. It's been, I mean, fucking ice cream cone. So, <laughs> um, so this thing had been for sale for like five years. Right? right. And I thought that there was a lot of potential. I saw a big opportunity with it because They'd had slumping sales over the last seven years. They started having a whole lot of negative Facebook and Google reviews because it wasn't ran properly. Mm -hmm. And then upon getting in and digging into it, the books were horrible. Food cost was way higher than what I knew food food costs could be from being in the food business. And so I actually tried to buy this business three years ago. And when I sat down to buy it, I got told it makes X. So I said, okay, great. Show me, show me the tax returns. Next meeting, I got or no tax returns still. So it doesn't make that. It makes half what I told you. Mm. Okay. Just grab me the tax return for our next meeting. The next meeting. So the tax returns actually don't show any income. Oh, shit. But it, it, there's a lot of cash that rolls through that business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I got told. Hey, so, and guess what? That's fine, but you can't sell it for anything. Yeah, no. Right. Sorry. So, so, I, so I, um, I walked away from it. And then three years later, upon a little bit of maturity in business, and realizing, okay, this is distressed and it's an opportunity. I went back, I shot him an offer, about 60% of the asking price. I said, hey, here's the offer, close in 30 days. I don't need to do any due diligence. Done. So then I went in, I was able to shave food costs down 7% from what it was. I was able to shave labor down about 9% from what it was. So there's 16% to your bottom line. I was able to plug in marketing, which they weren't doing. I have a rock star manager. I got good staff. And now this thing just, and when we, and we still, 
we still kept the great product they had because they did have a really good product mm-hmm. and then plugged in new things, plugged in fall menu items like we just did and sales have rocketed up. Yeah, the uh, pumpkin spice one. I saw that on your Instagram. Fucking good, right? um, And then And then we've, um, we were keeping it open year round, whereas they were open seven, eight months of the year. So there's a whole nother revenue opportunity. Um, we're diving in, in, in the February, we're going to be doing Valentine's candies and treats and stuff, chocolate covered strawberries, something they never did. So it's, it was a very distressed business, which was a great opportunity. Well, and you were looking at, so when you finally went back, right. And then you, you have this business approach to it, instead of trying to just dial in, you know, what you want to buy it for. Well, it's making nothing. I should buy it for nothing, but Hey, well, how much does your building cost? Right. And like, you want to buy it for 10 grand, even though that makes sense, it, it won't close the gap. It's not going to happen. But then also focusing on, all right, maybe I'm going to end up paying a little bit more than I technically should for it. However, it could have a great, but what could it be? And you had yeah. experience in food, you had experience in marketing and branding, and then, hey, keeping it open all year, doing different things, and all of a sudden, you got lines around the damn block for this place, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I don't, hey, it's okay what I paid for, because now here's my return, right? But yeah, it's, well, it's more about what it could be. They were, they were open for 25 years, and we're tripling their best year of sales ever. Wow. Right. Right. Well, and that's just where, like, the real business model yeah. comes into play with that, and just maximizing it but this is also a great testament to like guys even you know like you have to constantly be learning constantly getting better and mm-hmm. please understand like consumers come first like even if you're iconic and you're great you can't rest on that mm-hmm. you just can't man like you really have to just constantly find new ways to innovate yourself and a lot of times folks just serve their time and it's generational and they hey cool you did all you could for what you mm-hmm. had cool and then it sells but then somebody who, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a native, I'm from St. Joe, I remember going up around this place, not only can I keep that type of, of tradition and culture with this place, I can also do a lot more with it. I bet that supercharged the whole town because they would love to see that happen. But yeah. nobody was kind of taking the reins and that's where like you're able to capitalize and mm-hmm. come in on that. But again, like you can't just rest on the name. And then same thing with you, Austin. At some point, right, like you still have to maintain like being great for consumers and finding, you know, ways to just rebrand yourself or just find ways like if, if ice cream takes a shift or whatever it may be, like just finding ways to still entertain and be valuable to customers. And no matter what, even if your shop stays the same for 25 years, if you're getting great reviews and the, and the product is super tasty and people are friendly, a business like that, maybe they kind of want it to be the same because when people leave St. Joe and they come back to visit their parents and they haven't seen the ice cream shop in 12 years and they come back to your shop and it tastes exactly how it did when they were a kid. Maybe that's what iconic Mm -hmm. brands are all about. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, how can we be innovative and brand and do a lot of fun stuff, but still be so iconic with our taste that there's just some things Mm -hmm. about this place, like no matter what, it's going to taste how you want it to taste because that's why you're in the first place. Like whatever that business model looks like, but you have to, man, Google, especially nowadays with the internet, man, like bad (laughs) reviews will kill you. Yeah. They'll kill you if you don't have 10 good reviews for every bad. Because people know we, you know, you have a bad review and, and people can clearly tell someone's being a jerk. You're going to be fine. People know who jerks are, but if it's consistently bad and people go and the experience isn't great, you're not going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. No. Austin, what does your day look like, man? You're doing a ton of shit. You're in shape. You're like taking care of your hair and stuff. Fuck that hair. What What does your day look like? Man, you got he's a like, family. He's 12. That's why he saw his hair. He's 12. <laughs> Where did you get that beard? Who put that beard on? What are you doing every day, man? Yeah, so... Um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to get better at my days because some, I mean, just like anybody else, I don't always structure my day perfectly. Um, but I, I try to, I try to 
create a list of a few things that I know need to get done to move me forward. Okay. I try to, you know, um, I, I, I try to just be efficient as efficient as possible with my time. So I come in, I know that I need to work on, I need to knock this out for the franchise company this day. I need to have a meeting with my group. I need to do this at this business. And, um, and then there still needs to be time for family at nighttime. I need to get home in a good time, hang out with the kids and Kelly. So man, it's kind of like that, that question kind of reminds me of, I get asked a lot, how do you balance everything? Yeah. And I just try the best I can to be all in on whatever I'm doing in the moment. So if I'm here on this podcast, I'm a hundred percent here mm-hmm. I'm on my phone. I'm not dicking around. I'm a hundred percent here. Mm-hmm. When I get done with this, I know that I need to jump in and work on my quarter one marketing stuff for lean kitchen. So I'm going to be 100% there yep. this morning. I was at Chris and Kate's working on some stuff. I was 100% there. So I just try to live as present as possible. Can I add something to that a little bit and get your opinion on that before we go too far? In order for you to be present, and this is kind of how I approach it, and I think a lot of people might might get some great things from you right now on this question. If you want to be present in everything you're doing, like I'm sure like you have a task list of just things that got to get done. Mm -hmm. You definitely have to sit down with that, at least in my opinion. Sit down with that and just prioritize. Just figure out, like, just have some situa- situational awareness and figure, like, or, or just target prioritize. What's most important? Like, what's moving the needle on my businesses? And, like, what's most important today? You know? And, like, yeah, so at the end of every day before I leave, I make my list for the next day. And typically, it's three to five, six things that I have to get done for that day. Yep. Uh, when I start getting behind, I'll start getting to where I have a notes list on my phone a mile mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. That's when I get really inefficient and it's mm-hmm. because the prioritization isn't there. And you're not so, being present and you're not handling those things in a timely manner because yeah. your head's and elsewhere. It too. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like I'm sitting here telling you. It's not like I'm perfect 100% of the time with it. But I do the best I can to get those three, four, five, seven things per day and get those completed. And then before I leave, I already have my next day. I have this weird thing, man. You know how they have the post-it, the mini post-its? Mm-hmm. I should just buy the mini post-its. Instead, I buy full post-its, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I write my list, and then I cut it, and I put it on my wall every single day. So nice. I know that night when I'm looking at it what my day is like for the next day. Yeah, that's cool. And I do that, and, and I the reason I cut it is because it keeps me from adding shit to it. Yeah. So I literally make my list, and I cut around it, and I put it on my wall, and it's like, don't add any more shit to it. Nice. If anything comes up, it goes on my list on my phone of like, hey, when I'm looking at the next day, I can schedule it. So that's kind of, I'm, I'm not perfect at it, man. No, but you're like, not because okay. apparently calling me back was uh, was on that reservoir list for or, nine months. Or <laughs> was, was that very efficient because I wasn't taking your call because I was busy with shit. See? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you know. You know, <laughs> in my <laughs> that's my answer. Yeah, but you know, you know. <laughs> no, I get. And by the way, it was not nine months. I'm busting your balls. And you and I have always kept in touch. If if if, if you can't answer, there's never been a fence, man. It's all, and it's usually just catching up and seeing what's new and how the fam is and nothing important. But it's I do like how you say three, four, five, maybe seven things. Um, like I coach now, right? Like I do a lot of coaching within real estate and lending and, and helping guys really craft their business. And so I've got some paying clients for one on one. And I was literally, man, prior to this podcast, I had I had a client that I was helping out. And we were talking about that. We were talking about how to prioritize and figuring out like, Hey, what, what are your tasks for the week? Right? Cause you're going to have a lot of stuff in your head. First and foremost, if you got a lot of stuff in your head, get it out, get it out of your damn head and write it down, get to the whiteboard, whatever you got to do, get it out. But then let's start learning how to prioritize. Like, okay, what are some things I definitely got to get to this week? Cool. And then, Hey, out of those, where's my priority for tomorrow? And, and that sounds super elongated. If you're not good at this yet, or if you haven't done this, start there, just get everything out of your damn head. And start organizing and figuring out what you're doing with your marketing or your whatever you're doing. 
And then reverse engineer that and figure out, cool, out of everything I just vomited onto this whiteboard, here's definitely some things I want to like try to tackle this week. Cool. And then out of some things that I want to tackle this week, here's some things I got to go up front first and here's why. Cool. And then put those things down. And hey, even if you have three things tomorrow to get done, you can always do more. Okay. But first and foremost, if you want to be present, like Austin's talking about, you got to have integrity that what you're doing is worth being present for. And it's most important. And then you being present in those, in those moments will be a lot more natural than you realize versus just picking and choosing whatever, and then forcing yourself to try to be present in a moment that you're not valuing. And then you're, you're distracted and you're doing a lot of shit kind of good versus focusing. There's got to be the integrity behind your confidence and like what I'm doing right now does matter is valuable and it's not going to be hard as you think to stay focused. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then delegating. I, I God, man, like <laughs> rather than taking a thousand bucks more home a month, take the thousand bucks and delegate it to do some shit that wastes your time. Yep. And I don't want to say waste your time. It's stuff that needs to get done, but it's stuff that can be getting done by other people. That's yeah. something I'm really trying to get better at. I'm, I'm always trying to get better at that because you get, it's, it's the perfection thing, man. Perfection's yeah. like, you know, we had to do a lot of that with our YouTube, you know, like the editing yeah, and the, in this keyword phrases and algorithms to find titles that are going to be super attractive. So people, people view our, our stuff. Cause we put no money behind views or subscribers. It's all organic, but just searching the right titles that are going to get a lot of good searches, having the right editing. That's dude, that stuff takes a lot of time. Him and I are better spent on camera and doing mm-hmm. deals. So, Hey, that's what we're, that's what we're going to do. Great. So we've, we've sourced that out right through our network and we we're getting that done. And then, just having our transaction coordinator that's just following up with clients and managing the clerical stuff for each transaction where, Hey, we're doing the face to face and we're negotiating contracts and prepping our clients. But then all of this stuff with just HOA documents and title and different things, like all of that clerical stuff, we've got a phenomenally that does that. And both outsourcing all of that and allowing us to have time to build our brand with the podcast and our mile high property brothers and coaching super important, man. Like you couldn't be more spot on with like, maybe make a little bit less, but start putting that into your own infrastructure and start having some systems and processes with employees that can still execute. But then understand when you first do that, you aren't going to have more time. You got to kind of supervise that person and make sure that they understand what you are expecting from them and that they're a great fit and that they're definitely exemplifying what you want. So believe it or not, like you, you end up not having more time for those first couple weeks until they're really on the up and up and you can vouch that they're great at what they're doing and you've given them the time and energy. So, you know, so they just are clear on what you want. You got to make sure your expectations are clear and they're set up for success. You can't just complain about employees that don't do well if you're not setting them up for success in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can speak to that too, Austin, right? Because you've got, you've got your company, so you've got training. I'm guessing, right? Education and training behind the supplements and, and and sales processes there. And then you've got Lean Kitchen and those processes. What does that look like for you? Do you have a team that trains that? Are you still going out giving that training every time that you're you're opening one up? And then after you have one opened up, is there quarterly or annual training or reviews that you go through or weekly yeah. meetings with managers? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so that's something that the guy we brought on to consult helps us with a lot, which is. We have an initial training where they come to us for a week, Lean Kitchen University. They're here for a whole week. It's me, Doug, JR, my team at the store. We're all training them. We're, it's kind of information dump. We're overloading them. Then when we go back out there, we're doing that. Then 30 days after opening, our director of operations, Doug, has been with the company since day one. He goes out and retrains for another week. But then where, where we really you know, hit the nail on the head is we have our local store marketing guide. So it's our LSM guide. It's on Google Drive. All franchisees has, have access to it. 
and there is training for every store sales strategy, every marketing strategy, everything. Very thorough training, video training and text training in that LSM guy. Who made all that training? Me. Yeah. yeah. How much fucking work was that? Yes, a lot of time. God it's, damn. It's still like we're we're still adding things to it. Um, you know, but the just cool the initial, is, just the initial document, though, right? Like just yeah. volume one with no amends to it yet. Like all, yeah. like all of your experience and content in your head and things that work for you. Understand if you're going to go out there and like create your own business. Like, how do I duplicate this into a a, a new person? How do because I give them everything? I got hit by a bus. Everybody's yeah. screwed. Yeah, yeah. Because all the stuff's in my head. Yep. So um, putting it in an LSM guide, and now it's now the cool thing is once that's built. It's going to be a little bit here and there, but right. then it's out there and then it's done. And then guess what? I can focus on other stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so where cool. were you, how long, how far, how far into the franchise thing were you when you decided to like, Hey, I, I got to have this LSM guide. I've got to make sure everybody has this. Was it based off of just a lot of people having the same struggles or same challenges or same questions when they first started out? And then in their first year, and you're like, man, I could just crush 85% of like what they're going through by just giving this content right away. And then it, and then it, it helps you from handling those phone calls and text messages and emails where it's all very similar. Was it something like that or what, what derived wanting like that type of training behind the scenes for all your franchises? Yeah. So that is what it did effectively, but I didn't know that's what it was going to do. It's one of those things that's right in front of your face and you don't realize. So when Jim came along December of 2019 and we had, 10 stores open at the time and, and um, 37 sold in the country and set to open. Jim came along and told me, this is what you need to do. And I implemented that and it made life so much easier. But without him telling me, I don't know how long it would have took me to figure out, which sounds so stupid because it's right in front of your face, right? Like it makes sense. But it's not, it's not stupid though, man. Like this is, I mean, this is why the, you know, even the best hitters in baseball have a hitting coach and they're still hitting a ball off a tee. This is why in bodybuilding, the best bodybuilders in the world don't train themselves. They still have a coach to see it from the outside because when you're in it, like that's the benefit of entrepreneurship and being a practitioner is you have to. That's where in real time you're getting your material. However, like having somebody getting a bird's eye view from the outside in, like it's it sounds stupid or it sounds obvious, but man, like it's it's not. And for people that are listening, like, oh, I don't need a coach. I don't need this. Like, no, I'm good. Everyone says that. The reason you need a coach, a business consultant, anything, it's no different than this. It's the most obvious thing, okay? When your friend has a bad relationship, like, I'm just going to say hypothetically here, okay? Will, you're having trouble. You're having this bad relationship, whatever. It's real easy for me or Eli to talk to you, being close to you and say, Hey, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you guys need to change this, work on this. It's mm-hmm. always easier to see other people's problems. Mm-hmm. Outside mm-hmm. looking in is always easier. When you're in it, you can't figure it out yourself. Yeah. That's because as humans, we're built to need to help people. Uh-huh. And we're, need, we're built to need help from people, but we get this ego. We think we can do everything ourselves. But if you can let that ego down, I mean, how many times have I said that in this call? Yeah. This is a podcast. yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta let the ego down, and whether it's business, life, relationships, because it's a whole lot easier for people to see it on the outside looking in. And that's how the LSM guide was. Jim came in and was like, do this. And I was like, God, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I'm like an idiot. It's like, why didn't I think of that? But I didn't. So Yeah, um, but that guy's got 30 years of experience. It's like, that's what you're paying for. You're not paying, you're, you're paying for his experience to just be able to come in and analyze in real time and go, hey man, we definitely need this. Here's, you know, here's what we can tackle. Yeah. That's huge, man. And, and we're going to do, we're going to drop our egos one day too, man. We're going to, we're going to pitch Mile High Property Brothers to you. 
get you into some real estate. Maybe uh, maybe have you maybe have you back it. We'll have a TV show. It'll be real cool, man. It'll be real cool. <laughs> no, man, I love it. And um, I think, man, I think that's a great way to kind of cap today. We'd love to have you back on at some point, man. I think there's just with everything that you're doing, I think it'd be super beneficial for our audience to just continue, you know, continue to hear what you're doing and what you're all about. But I'll, and I want to leave you with this before we let you go. You know, what's in that forecast for you now? Like, what are you tackling right now? What do you shoot? What direction are you going? What are you shooting for? What does that look like? Man, I really want to, I mean, I need to focus on, on our lean kitchen franchising and I really need to hone in on that. And, and I say I need to, because I'm, I still have the uh, startup in me that wants to do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm working on a second Chris and Kate's location right now. Mm-hmm. And I found a pink cone in Canada. A pink cone <laughs> building. And so oh, I that. It costs as much to get it shipped here as it did for the building. And so I'm finding <laughs> land and a place to put that and working on the second Chris and Kate's location. But really what I want to do when you ask me what I want, I need to focus on Lean Kitchen because I want these people to, it's so cool to be able to change people's lives and help people become healthy. And like I run into somebody yesterday who's down 90 pounds. So like we have the opportunity to literally make America healthier by putting these lean kitchens all over. So I want to do that. I also love it because we have the opportunity to help people get in business who they have the entrepreneurial tick, but they need a franchise. So it's kind of a business in a box and they can do really well with our franchise. So I want to focus on that for those reasons. I want to focus on that because out of all the franchise companies in the world, there's tons of franchise brands. Very, very few have ever made it to a hundred locations, which I thought was fascinating. Something like single digit percentage of franchise companies have made it to a hundred and I want to make it to a hundred and not just for the number. I mean, yeah, the milestone's cool, but to know that that many business owners are doing well and we're affecting that many people's lives are eating healthy. So as far as focus, it's get that other cone open, yeah, and uh, and and keep lean kitchen growing. Get how to hundred? Yeah. How do you balance? Like, when do you do you have a good up and flow as far as like just the intuition that's needed for? Because obviously, like we've got other stuff going on, but is there you know is there a time and place for when like one of your companies it's like hey this one just needs more this one's running this one's operational this one's successful hey cool I need to for a little while go put some more time and energy into this and to make sure it's it's going where it's going is it similar when people talk about spinning plates and get them up and get them spinning but then you got to go back and touch them and then give give one of them more energy how do you approach all that Yeah, so that's something again Tim has taught me the consultant I have which is. Um, I've gone from waiting until there's a little bit of a problem or until sales decline to the place and then having meetings yeah. to screw them. I have meetings. My meeting days are Wednesdays. So every Wednesday morning, I have a meeting with Jim and with Doug and with JR and we go over Lean Kitchen Enterprises, franchise company. Then I have a meeting with Ashley and we go over the, um, we go over how Chris and Case is going. Then I, every week I have a meeting with um, my guys at Fit Republic and at the stores and we go over how the stores are going. So if, if I can do that, yeah, it's spinning plates, but it's not waiting until one's about to crash when well, I'm willing to get it. And that's a phase I went through. I went through a phase where it was like, man, when sales starts starts um, slowing down or when when things start seeming there's a problem, then I'll monitor it. No, now I just keep my thumb on the pulse of the company constantly, and then it's not to where you're – it's you're not frantic, you know what I mean? And just understanding like your company's identity, right? Like this ice cream shop, it's iconic. It's in St. Joseph. Hey, you're going to look at maybe a second one, but it's like, well, Hey, right now where it's at, you know, maybe it's not the same as a lean kitchen. Hey, this thing could be a hundred franchises and this is what's so great about it. And then maybe it's like, Hey, you know what? The gift I'm giving back to my town is like, we're going to have one or two locations, but Hey, you know what? Like it's, 
specific to St. Joe. It's iconic here. We're just going to keep it here. And I'm going to make sure it's super quality. But just understanding, like, feeling the momentum of, like, okay, which company is that one that goes national or international and has 100 locations? And what's something that's super enjoyable, but it's it's one or two, and it's going to be what it's going to be and great. Like, I think it's also feeling the momentum and the identity of each company and, like, knowing where to push, where to put the energy into it, correct? Because you can't just take the same philosophy and, like, all right, cool, now we're going to make 100 ice cream cone shops. Yeah, I get asked all the time, are you going to franchise Chris and Kate's? Man, I'm not going to never say never. Maybe someday. But right, right now, no, that's not the mission. Mm-hmm. That's right. not the goal. And it, feel, and it feels right. It's like, like it's iconic because it's in St. Joseph. It's not nice. iconic if it's yeah. everywhere. Right now, it's just a, no. a cute-looking building that you can put in the parking lot of any Walmart around because they'll sell you a little spot in their parking lot. You can just like a drive-by coffee shop. You can have a drive-by ice cream. But it's no longer iconic. Now, maybe there's a way to, to make it national and make it iconic. But... The identity of it now is like, ah, we want to keep this and have the pride of St. Joseph and keep that culture with it. And I bet that's probably why you guys have a lot of clients in the first place and they they love going there because there's some pride behind that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's super cool. Yeah, yeah. St. Joe is Chris and Kate's. Chris and Kate's is St. Joe. It's a small town. Yeah. No, I think that's cool, but I do think it's important where it's like, yeah, you're not just mashing on the gas pedal and trying to force everything to go national. It's I've got to get give deliberate energy toward just – the identity of what each business is and what it needs for me as an owner, because, Hey, that's where my time is best placed is figuring out what these things should look like, navigating that, and then giving proper intensity and energy toward what it should be and what that identity is. Yep. Super cool, man. Well, Hey man, we know you're slammed. We probably kept you 30 minutes longer than you planned on. And man, we, we super appreciate it. And and it'd be fun to get you back on, man. Obviously we're, we know we're, we're good friends and I'm always curious what you're doing. I want to get you offline sometime maybe i'll fly to st joe or we'll do a zoom call but i want to give you the rundown on what eli and i are doing with everything we got going on and i'd love to kind of get your opinion on where we're putting energy and how things kind of like coincide together um so whenever you got some time and shoot me a text message and um, let me know when you're freed up for maybe maybe 30 minutes 45 minutes for like a zoom call i'd love to just man if i can steal some of your time and just kind of pick your brain on everything that we're doing and, and get some uh get some thoughts from you and maybe yeah. there's some 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 nuggets you could throw our way yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. Hey, likewise, man. Enjoy. We're going to throw this outro, man. And then um, anybody listening, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find us, like it if you like it. And um, until next time, out. We'll see you guys. Take care. Bye. Every show we drop it,